Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. So I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, Which Day Do You Focus On? Pray with me. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for sending your son to die be buried and raised from the dead. God, I thank you for each person who's come here today, and I ask you now to strengthen my body, anoint my mouth and my mind to say the things that would honor you. God, I pray, Lord, that you would draw all people unto yourself. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll say it again. If you didn't hear it the first four times I said it, happy Easter. Easter is a big day for many people around the world, and it's different for some than others, but I just want to clear up any confusion at all. We're not the church that has the Easter bunny in the foyer taking pictures for you. Just in case you were wondering, their church is doing that today. I'm not mad at them. Somebody's got to do it. We're not here to, to do that, but we are here to do something that I hope that you have done are doing and will continue to do. We're here to celebrate the resurrection of our God, Jesus Christ, who has conquered death and is living. As we come together to celebrate Easter, I, I hope that for some people, Easter has a deeper meaning uh, to, to us than it does for many of our unchurched friends and neighbors throughout the world. For, for many people, the three most significant things about Easter are not the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. It, it, it's, it's not uh, Jesus and, and resurrection. The three most important things for many people in our country and even around the world are the Easter bunny, buying new clothes, and going to church. And I am not mad about any of those things. You do whatever tradition you want to do, however you want to do it. Personally, I don't have a problem with those things. But for me, that's not what Easter is about for me. As Christians, we celebrate Easter as a time of remembering the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and the Bible talks about how some people esteem one day more highly than others. And so some people you know, focus a lot on one day over the other. I believe that as Christians, we should focus on the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ every day. So that includes today. Whatever your custom is, I'm okay with that. But I do know this. People who are unsaved see Easter a different way than people who are saved. And people who are unsaved will never really understand why we do what we do or why we don't do what we don't do. Because here's the truth. If you used to be lost, but now you're saved, there's some things you do now that you didn't do before. Five people said amen. Let me preach on the saved side of the room. If you were ever lost and you got truly saved, there are some things that you were doing then that you don't do anymore. Eight people. Glory to God. And they'll never understand it. They won't understand. Unsaved people will not understand why we do what we do, why we don't do what we don't do. But what should be going on is the reason for everything we do or we don't do as believers should find its meaning in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that if there's truly no resurrection, then we as Christians are the most miserable of all people. There, every, our faith is built on the death, burial, and resurrection on Jesus. But lost people, unsaved people, they can't understand this. Think, think about how confusing this must be. Why would any person give up their only day of the week off to spend the whole day going back and forth to church? That boggles the mind. Why would any thinking person pray to a God they can't see? i tell you why. Because of the resurrection and the change he makes inside us. Why would anyone voluntarily give large chunks of their money to this God that they can't see when they're struggling to pay their own bills? I'll tell you why. Because resurrection changes 
people. Why would anyone stop drinking, cussing, lying, whoremongering, fornicating, being selfish, even when nobody else is watching? I'll tell you why. Because resurrection changes people. I wonder, have you been changed today? I wonder, have you had that kind of experience? They got to wonder. I mean, we got new mulch out here. Obviously, listen, nobody's coming to this church for how pretty the buildings or the grounds are. But we have people working on this church all the time. We are always fixing something. We're always uh, cleaning something. We are always working on the upkeep of the house of the Lord. Some people spend more time working on this place than they spend working on their own place. Why would anybody do that? I'll tell you why. Because resurrection changes people. You get a new set of values. You get a new mindset. You get new hopes, new dreams. Things that weren't as important to you become really important to you. And things that used to be important to you, they're just not as important to you as they used to be. If you ever realize the true meaning of life is found in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, then all these things and many more are going to make more sense to you. I want you to think about Two things with me real quick before we get into the text. Uh, Number one, think about this concept. Because he died for me, I die for him. Look Look at it on the screen. Because he died for me, I die for him. Listen to what the Bible says. If if anyone wants to follow Jesus, they have to die to themselves. You have to die to your own wants, to your own goals, dreams, agendas, desires. That's why some people will never come to Christ. They don't want to give up anything for Jesus. Let me say to you, if you're considering following Jesus, or even if you've already made that decision, you ought to be able to agree with me. There's nothing that you could hold on to that's more important than grabbing hold of Jesus. Nothing you give up are you going to miss in eternity. So because he died for me, in in, in certain ways, I die for him. Second thing, because he lives for me, I live for him. More specifically, theologically correct, if you want to get into the depth of theology about it, he lives inside of us. But because he lives, oh, and I love that song, Because He Lives. Because he lives, we ought to live for him. Listen, I've been telling you this for over 20 years now in this church. If he loved you enough to die for you, shouldn't you love him enough to live for him? Oh, man, if you ever consider all that he's done for us, what we do for him will, will seem very, very little. It, it, I, I love that song that says it's a tiny offering. Compared to Calvary. Do you get that? Let's keep moving. We're thinking about resurrection this morning. Now, according to the Internet, there are over 10,000 religions being practiced on the planet right now. That sounds like a large number, but if you see our banners across the back, these are churches that we have around the world, church friends that we have around the world. Some we oversee, some we partner with. And uh, my, my dear friend, Matthew Carvilla. Where's Matthew's band? Oh, India, right behind the sound desk. Uh, Matthew and I have been friends for over 25 years, and Matthew is from India, educated here in America, went back to India. Listen, walks in leper colonies in India every week. We, we send all these people money every month. When you, when you give money to Abundant Life, it is going to feed hungry people, and it is sharing the gospel all around the world. It's not going to, to build fancy parking lots and, 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 and greater offices. We're putting our money into the kingdom of God. But that 10,000 different religious number, it used to shock me until I sat down and talked with Matthew one time. He told me, not in this context, he brought it up on his own. There are over 10,000 religions in India. In one country, there's over 10,000 religions. They're worshiping different gods all day and all night. They're offering sacrifices to different gods all day and all night. So there's thousands of religions being practiced. And listen, many of these religions teach good things. 
Many of them teach some things similar to what Christianity teaches. Many people that follow these religions do some good things, but there's, there's a big difference between Christianity and every other religion in the world. And I'll just give you one of them. There's lots of them, but I'll give you one today because it's Easter. One big difference between our religion and every other religion in the world, the founder of our religion is still alive. He's not laying in the ground somewhere. <laughs> Muhammad is said to be the founder of Islam. If you go to the ancient city of Medina in Saudi Arabia and find out where he was buried in 632, you'll find out that the remains of his body are still there. Buddhism was founded by an ancient prince who came to call himself Buddha, and you could go to India and find the place where he was buried and find out that the remains of his body are still there. But the Bible tells us when the followers of Jesus went to the place where they had laid his body, they found something different. They, they found that he was not there and that he had risen from the dead just like he said he was. If you don't get anything out of today's message, get this. Jesus Christ is alive. Death couldn't hold him and the grave couldn't keep him. I told you Easter means different things to different people, but as far as I'm concerned, Easter's all about Jesus. Uh, that, now, now, the good news is, if you brought kids in their children's church today, did they get something? Candy? Look at the abundant life. Selling out. Got candy for the babies. So, listen, go ahead and let them eat it. Uh, and it but Easter means different things to, to different people. If you ask a historian who Jesus was, he'll say that Jesus was the son of a carpenter. And in a sense, that, that is true. His, his earthly father was a carpenter, so in, in that sense, he was the son of a carpenter. If you ask a Muslim who Jesus was, he'll tell you that Jesus was a great prophet. And, and that is certainly true. If you ask a Muni who Jesus was, he will tell you that Jesus was a great teacher. And there can be no doubt about that. If you ask a Mormon who Jesus was, he will tell you Jesus was a son of God. Quick side note uh, uh, about uh, the Church of Jesus Christ and Latter-day Saints. If, if you ever wondered uh, how close their religion is to our religion, I'll, I'll, just, I'll just give you this little this footnote. It's not in my notes. I'll just give you this little footnote. The Mormon church believes that Jesus is the son of God and Satan, Jesus' brother, is the son of God also. That's not right. But if you ask a Mormon who Jesus is, they'll tell you Jesus is a son of God. But if you ask one of the greatest voices in church history, one of the most anointed preachers in the history of all preachers, if you ask Pastor S.M. Lockridge who Jesus is, he'll give you a different answer. And, and Jake, Jake texted me this morning. Y'all know my son's in the Marine Corps. He just got out of uh, boot camp. He's at the School of Infantry right now. I, I, I asked him, what, what are you doing there? And is this true, Sarah? He said, they're teaching us how to kill people, Dad. <laughs> Sarah, <laughs> a member of our church, she, uh, how, how long were you in the Marines? Four years, just got out uh, serving God at, at one of the best churches in the world, Thomas Road Baptist Church. Um, going off to school, but Jake, he texted me this morning, and he was so excited. He was on his way to church, and he said, I wish I was going to be watching that video, Dad. Uh, tell me the name of that video that you're going to show today. I want to say, you don't know if I'm going to show a video, boy. But <laughs> he came to church here all his life, uh, and I love this video. Listen, today you're thinking, man, it's already after 1130. We ever going to get done? Let God speak to you through this. Now, here's what I want you to do. You can sit there like a bump on a log. But here's, here's what ought to happen. When God uses a prophetic speaker to speak deep truth into your life, S.M. Lockridge is about to tell us who Jesus really is. And if you hear something that resonates with you, don't be fake, phony, and trifling. If you hear something that means something to you, don't be shy to stand up, clap, say thank you, Jesus. Don't, don't be shy to connect 
to what you're hearing because I guarantee you this. This next couple of minutes is some of the most anointed preaching. Listen, this guy, we'd be better served to listen to what he has to say than what's going on right now. Play that video and let's hear who Jesus really is. They hesitated on it, and it, it reminded me of something. Are we going to have sound? I'm filibustering now. But I forgot to say something that is very important, especially to us as a multiracial church. People, people say, but Pastor Scott, why is it so important to you that the church be multiracial? Because God loves everybody. Why is it so important to you, Pastor Scott, that the church be multiracial? Because heaven's multiracial. The Bible says in heaven, every nation, every tribe, every kid. Listen, I have people, I've had people ask me, is your church a black church? I'm like, man, it's an old building. It's been painted a couple different times. What, what color is that church? I mean, it's like yellow, off yellow, rust orange. Is your church a black church? Is your church a white church? Church, listen, the church is the body of Christ. The Bible says we're all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. And every nation, every tribe, every kindred, every tongue going to be gathered together in heaven. We ought to do that now. But in our country, we got white churches and black churches. We don't gather together based on the color of our skin. We gather together based on the greatness of who Jesus Christ is. But I say that. Because I'm filibustering because they can't get it. We're up and ready. I'm going to filibuster with this. The images you will see on these videos are not accurate. The, the words are great. The images, not, not great. What, what am I telling you? Jesus was not a blonde-haired, blue-eyed dude from California. Can we at least agree on that? All these Lord's Supper pictures of this effeminate-looking sissy sitting at a table with a bunch of white people. False. Number one, he was the manliest man. You're still the second manliest man I know, by the way, but on that other comment. You know who the first is. Um, Y'all should, too. Uh, Jesus was rough and rugged. Jesus hauled around trees. Man, you don't, you, don't, you don't get to be skinny doing that. But these images are not accurate depiction. Jesus wasn't some blonde-haired, blue-eyed dude. They made that up in, in Hollywood to feel better about themselves. But let me just be an equal opportunity offender today. All the white people are mad at me now. Let, 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 me, let me just say this. He, he also wasn't some Afro-wearing African with his fist in the air and a pick in his hair. He was. He had dreads and twists. You don't have dreads and twists? Jesus was a Jew, and he was obviously of brown skin. So the pictures on here, don't focus on the pictures, focus on the words. Is that long enough? We ready? <laughs> what kind of ragged backwards technology are we running with? Hallelujah. That's why he's an elder in the Lord's church. I'm cutting my heart. I'm cutting my heart but because uh, I love it when they show the cross uh, on there. But anyway, listen to what this great preacher has to say. You want to know who Jesus is? Hear this description of who Jesus is. Listen to this.
you need to Google that video uh, because if you didn't hear much of that, let me just say this. Jesus is the physical, visible image of the invisible God. He is God come in the flesh, and he loves you more than you will ever know. Would you put your hands together for God today? Easter ought to be a reminder of how different our religion is than the other religions. Uh, we, we, we ought to realize that, that there are many religions in the world. We had a local pastor in Jacksonville made world news. Dr. Jerry Vines made world news many years ago when he was pastoring First Baptist Church downtown by saying that Christianity is better than Islam. And Muslims all around the world began to phone in death threats, and people got upset, and the politically correct crowd started going off. Well, all religions are equal. Let me tell you this. All religions are not equal. There's one true religion founded by Jesus Christ. All other religions are a lie. Well, I just don't believe that. That doesn't sound very tolerant. That doesn't sound very inclusive. That doesn't sound very welcoming and warm. What, 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 about, what about inclusion? What about tolerance? Inclusion and tolerance are not found inside Christianity. Jesus said that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me. This is an exclusive club, and I want you to know that if you have met Jesus Christ and you have confessed him as your Savior, you are on the winning side. You have true religion. You have the real living God on the inside of you. Listen to our text in Luke 24.1. But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance, so they went in. But they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. Then they remembered that he had said this, so they rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. This is the basis of Christianity. This is the historical account of what happened to Jesus on Friday, Saturday, and then that great getting up Sunday morning. And I believe as Christians, we need to remind ourselves constantly that he's alive. We need to remind ourselves constantly that he is risen from the dead. I told you, I love that hymn that says, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. I want you to know, because he lives, we can have hope of eternal life. It, so many people talk about the power of the first century church, the power of Pentecost. So many people talk about the rapid expansion because Christianity did not exist until 2,000 years ago, not, not as, as we know it today. There's always been Jehovah, but Jesus' teaching did not exist over, uh, until he came and taught them in human flesh and explained what God was saying in the Old Testament. Many religions outdate, predate Christianity. They don't predate God. They don't predate the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. They don't predate who Jesus is but people think that the church grew so fast, and it did. It went from a handful of people. Uh, even lost people said of that time, these ignorant and unlearned men have turned the world upside down for Jesus. It was a rapid expansion of the entire world hearing this gospel. And many people have falsely attributed it to signs and wonders and miracles. And certainly there was a role for that, and certainly there, there was an impact from that, but let me tell you what the Bible says is the power of God unto salvation. Let me tell you what the true power is. The power is in the cross of Jesus Christ. The power is in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when people started doing this in the first century, have you heard? Did you hear? Jesus, the one they crucified, he's alive. What? Yes. No. Yes. Can't be. It is. 
Nobody ever raised me. He did. And when they, with that wide-eyed excitement, began to tell the story of how this man, Jesus, who people had seen walk on this planet, live, sat down, eat with, heard him talk, watched him die on a Roman cross. When they found out that he was alive, they realized there's something about this. And I come to remind you today, there's still something about this. He is alive. He, he, he's, he's already been raised from the dead. And one day we who are saved are going to be raised from the dead to meet him. That's, that's taught in the scripture. But Easter Sunday is specifically a celebration on Sunday about resurrection. But here's the thing. You don't have to know a lot. You don't even have to look at a calendar. Most people could tell you what day comes before Sunday. Six of y'all know. You, 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 you got to go through Saturday before you can get to Sunday. What day comes before Saturday? So you got to get to Friday before you can get to Sunday. We call Friday before Easter Good Friday. And, and I want us to understand that Good Friday is good for us. But it was hard on God. And every real Christian ought to understand that. Every real Christian ought to understand. When you read the gospel account of Jesus being on the cross, as he cried out in his native language, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The, the Bible teaches that there was a moment in time in which the sin of all human beings was placed on the physical body of Jesus Christ and his father in heaven had to turn away and look away from him because the scripture says God's eyes are too pure to look on sin. It was at this moment when for the first time in all of eternity, we look at eternity as going forward, but eternity is not just eternity in the future, it's eternity in the past as well. And through all eternity past, Jesus and the father had been in perfect union together. But in this moment as my sin and your sin was placed on the body of Jesus Christ the father looked away from Jesus the Bible says the entire earth went dark and your sin hung on this man Jesus on Friday it was so much such agony I, people say uh, obviously the nails in his hands must have been painful obviously the nails in his feet must have been painful obviously the beating that he took uh, in the courtyard was horrifyingly painful. The crown of thorns being pressed down into his head. Three-inch thorns. This isn't just a trickle of blood coming off the brow. These thorns were pressed down through his skull into his cranium. The Bible says that he had been beaten so badly that the skin was ripped from his body and his intestines hung out below his groin, and you could not tell if he was male or female hanging naked on the cross. When Jesus went through all of that, it had to have been horrifically painful. But I believe in my own life, I believe personally that the greatest pain that Jesus experienced was going from he who knew no sin to becoming sin for us. I believe the greatest pain that Jesus went through on that Good Friday for us was that separation pain that he felt. Human beings had denied him. They spat on him. They pulled his beard from him. They cursed at him. They rejected him. They denied him. And he suffered all of that. But when his father turned away from him. I can only imagine the pain he felt as if Jesus is there thinking, in it, God, my father, why are you looking away from me? I've done everything you've asked me to do. I've done it. I came to this place where they mistreated me. I came to this place and I honored you every minute of my life. I've done everything. I've been obedient the whole time. Why, God? Why are you looking away from me now? Even as I fulfill the mission of my life and it was because of God's holiness he had to look away but it was because of his love that Jesus endured the cross that's what we call good Friday we talk about good Friday it wasn't good for Jesus but before anything can rise from the dead it has to die first and Jesus had to have that Friday and God's plan to forgive 
mankind's sin is so different than the plan that I would put together. I can promise you this. I would not, if, if God would have left it up to me, Scott, how do you want me to save all people? It would not involve anybody doing harm to my child. Neither would it for you. The, 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 the Bible says that, that for, some, for, for a good man, some people might die. But God showed his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God, God has his own way of doing things. The Bible says many, in many ways God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways and past finding out. It's beyond me why God decided to let his son pay and suffer for my wrongdoing and bleed and die. But that's what God did. And he is God alone and he makes the rules. And if, in Hebrews 9, 22, he said, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Why? Why does blood have to be shed? Why can't you just click your heels together three times and, 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 and say a magic prayer and, and your sins be forgiven? Why can't you just recite a poem? Why can't you just say a creed? It, it, the reason is in God's plan alone. He said there must be a sacrifice. Something has to suffer. Something has to bleed. Something has to pay this price for sin. Remember, in the garden, Adam and Eve chose to sin. And they found themselves naked. And God said, who told you you were naked? They, they weren't bothered by their nakedness before they were aware of what they had done. And God himself, the Bible says, clothed them with the skins of an animal. How do you think that Skin came off that animal. There had to be suffering. There had to be blood. There had to be death. In Romans 6, 23, the Bible says without, uh, that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages, the payment for sin is death. Let me ask you this. What did Jesus do on the cross? He died. The payment for sin has been made. The eternal question is, will you accept the payment Jesus made for your sin on the cross or will you choose to go your own way? In 1 Peter 3.18, the Bible says, Christ also suffered when he died for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners that he might bring us safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the Spirit. Good Friday was a hard day for Jesus. We call it Good Friday, but I want to tell you there had to be a Good Friday for us to get to a Resurrection Sunday. The, the, the day we call Good Friday just two days ago was the day that Jesus died on the cross. Let me clear up that two-day thing because a lot of people say, well, I thought he was raised from the dead on the third day. The best way I can get you to understand, listen, because if I ask you how many days is it from Friday to Sunday? Common sense will say two, Saturday, Sunday. The best way I can get you to understand it is rent a car from Enterprise. At 4 o'clock on Friday, turn it in. At 9.30 in the morning on Saturday, you've kept that car less than 24 hours. How many days Enterprise going to charge you for it? Two days. Why? Friday, Saturday. So how is it three days from Friday to Sunday when common sense says it's two? Because it's Friday, Saturday, and the third day is Sunday. That's just a little quick theology for, for y'all. But the day we call Friday, Good Friday, was the day Jesus died on the cross. The day we celebrate today is called Easter Sunday. It's a celebration of resurrection. The reason why churches meet on Sunday when Jews forever had met on Saturday was because they changed their day of corporate worship from Saturday to Sunday specifically to celebrate resurrection. Do you know what we consider Easter celebrations now in 2021? They were doing every Sunday. They were come, Everybody was going to church to celebrate that Jesus had been raised from the dead. But so we talk about Friday, Good Friday. We talk about Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. But there's a day in between Friday and Sunday. What is it? So what went down on Saturday? 
We don't know a whole lot. The Bible doesn't tell us a whole lot. We know some things, but the Bible doesn't give us a lot of detail about what happened on Saturday. Listen, Friday has happened, and every person on the planet believes the events of Friday. Good Friday happened. Jesus died. Every reasonable human being on the planet believes that there was a Jesus. Don't ask people, do you believe in Jesus? Every thinking person believes in Jesus. Jesus is the most documented human being in the history of the planet. More books have been written about this one man than any other person ever in the world. Everybody believes in Jesus. Everybody doesn't believe he raised himself from the dead. There's a difference there. Friday has happened. Everybody believes this man, Jesus of Nazareth, was crucified on a cross. It is a historical record of fact. Now, Saturday is a kind of in-between day. In between Friday and Sunday, um, it's a day between two big, huge events but it, it's, it's, kind of a, it, it's kind of a downer day. It's kind of a in limbo day. It's kind of a day where, that people were scratching their heads. Think about the disciples. They had left everything to follow Jesus. They thought Jesus was going to usher in the, the rule of God in the city of David, reestablish the throne of David in the city of God, and, and make Jews uh, in charge of everything. But he died. He left them. They're all looking around like, now what? He's gone. Saturday was, was a day of, of thought-provoking indecision, trying to figure things out. Sunday, big day. Friday, big day. Sunday, big day. Saturday, in between. Sunday's resurrection. It's excitement. It, it's people seeing Jesus again. It's the, the church exploding. A lot of the Christians, though, and here's my point. Get this and I'm done. You get to choose. I asked you, what day do you focus on? What day do you live your life on? You get to choose as a Christian or a non-Christian. Do you live your life in a Friday mindset? Are, are you one of those? Let, let me talk to Christians real quick because there's some in the room. Are, are, are you one of those kind of Christians that, that is stuck on Friday? Everything's just about death and pain and heartache. Everything's just about, uh, well, you know, the Lord died, but one day he's going to come back. I talk to so many people. I say, how, how you doing today, brother so-and-so? How you doing today? It's just, well, just holding on. Just, just trying to make it. Just, you know, waiting on the Lord. You're a Friday liver. You're living on Friday. You're living in a death. You're living in a depression. You're living in a lower existence. Jesus said, I'm come that they might have life, and they might have it more abundantly. But there are people, they know what Jesus did for them, but their life is more about history than victory. They're thinking more about the cross, the suffering. They're stuck in their mind on the hardness of Life. Some people are, are, are stuck on, on Saturday. Even as Christians, Christians get stuck on S- Saturday. You believe in Good Friday. You believe Jesus lived, he died, and was buried, uh, but you're stuck on Saturday. Well, you know, yeah, I got saved a long time ago. I got filled with the Holy Ghost in the 70s. I got saved in the 90s. Uh, but you're just on Saturday right now. There's just not a lot going on for you. You believe that he died on Friday, but you're not living the life of resurrection on a day-to-day basis. You focus your life on Saturday. The cross is old news to you, and the resurrection is not being lived out by you. You just ought to get yourself a T-shirt and say, I focus on Saturday. I call myself a Christian, but I'm stuck on Saturday. You've accepted the events of Friday, but you're not living The victory of Sunday. We all need to live in that victorious mindset. The day of resurrection, incitement, and hope. It's about new life. If the church would focus more on Sunday than they do on Saturday, then the world would want to hear our message more. I've been telling people for years, you can't browbeat somebody into Christianity. You can't nag somebody into changing for God. What you ought to do, if you've got people you want to see come to Jesus, you ought to fall so in love with Jesus. You ought to get so radically transformed by the life-changing power of the Holy Ghost that people see how you live, and they want what you've got, and they want to hear about the God you serve. 
That's that Sunday living person. So in, in, in getting ready to get out of here, I just want you to decide for yourself and be honest. I'm not going to make you say it out loud. Do you believe? And how are you focused on Friday, the death of Jesus Christ? I hope you've come to grips with that reality. I hope you've come to grips with, with the truth about that. I hope that you uh, have got Friday settled in your mind. But are you stuck on Saturday? Is your salvation old news to you? Oh, I love to see people get truly saved. I love to see new Christians. They've got an excitement. They're the ones, every Wednesday night, we spend a little bit of time giving testimony time. Because the Bible says, declare the good works of the Lord. De declare his good deeds in the congregation. And it's, it's usually the new Christians that are like, God's blessing me. And they're just giving testimony. And, and they're happy. And all the Saturday Christians in the room are like, oh, here, here she goes again. What, you get another raise? Well, you just were happy when you woke up because God still loves you. I know that too. Doesn't take all that. Oh, I wish I had my day-o-meter. I wish I could just hang it around your neck. I'd start with Alfred and go around the whole room. And I'd just have three days on it, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. I want to see where you're focused. Where you're focused. Where, where are you living? Are you living on, on, on the death of Jesus? Are you living on that being old news to you? Yeah, he's dead, but what else? See, that's Saturday. Too many people naming the name of Christ, living a Saturday mindset. When Jesus came, so we could have a Sunday mindset. Christianity is not just about death and burial. Christianity is about resurrection. We need to live a Sunday mindset. It's a long way. To get from Friday to Sunday in your mindset. It's just a couple of days on the calendar. But if you're stuck in Saturday, if your salvation was a long time ago and you still believe in the cross, but you're not excited about the resurrection, you're stuck in Saturday. And I guarantee you this, I don't need my day-o-meter to tell you that. The majority of Christians in this room are Saturday stuck. You're saved. But you're not excited. You're saved, but you're not living on resurrection. You're saved, but you're not waking up every day, springing to your feet, thanking God for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says if there's no resurrection, then we're miserable. Can I tell you, some of y'all are miserable. Just sad depressed woe is you poor poor pitiful you because you got your mind focused on the problems listen we've all got problems we've all got a sad song to sing we've all got physical issues we got emotional issues we got financial issues. all those things should not cause you to stay stuck on misery if you truly believe there was a great getting up Sunday morning where Jesus Christ conquered death, hell, and the grave so we could have life. So how do we get there? By faith. Everything about Christianity is by faith. You got to really believe, not just that Jesus was a person, not just that he died, not just that he rose from the dead and the, the stone was rolled away. You, you can quote all the cool. Well, you know, Pastor Scott, the stone was not rolled away for Jesus to get out. The stone was rolled away for the disciples to get in. Yes. Saturday liver. You ought to be, if you know that much, you ought to be jumping up and down for Jesus. You ought to be a thank you Jesus person. You ought to be a hand-clapping, Bible-toting, Scripture-quoting, demon-chasing, hell-raising, God-glorifying, God-loving, people-loving, blood-bought believer in Jesus Christ. That's a Sunday person. I'm surrounded by Saturday folk. If this microphone could, I, I promise you, if I was that dude on Guardians of the Galaxy right now, Rick, why that dude that had that, that whistle? Yondu. If I was Yondu right now, I, 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 I'd throw this microphone at it and I would just...
banging off all y'all's heads right now. Y'all didn't see the movie. The first step in solving a problem is identifying it and taking ownership of it. If you won't admit that you are stuck on Saturday, you're going to live stuck on Saturday forever. If you have embraced the truth of Friday, you need to skip over Saturday. Ain't a whole lot in the Bible about Saturday. God didn't tell us to live on Saturday. God didn't tell us to be down in the mouth. Some of y'all look like y'all sucking on lemons and prunes all week long. Well, I came to church. But did you come to worship? Did you come with thanksgiving in your heart? Did you come rejoicing? Listen, that he still loves you. Because the reality is, I don't know everything about you. But if I did, we'd be having security sitting next to some of y'all. And all y'all that are thinking, not me, we'd be ushering y'all out because you ain't even got enough humility to be saved. God loves us in spite of us. God loves us. Listen, everyone in this room, if you're saved, you did stuff before salvation that should have disqualified you from God. You've done stuff since salvation that should have caused God to throw you away. The fact that God hadn't thrown you away right now ought to cause you to jump right over Saturday and live on a resurrection mindset. Jesus had his Friday. You got to have your Friday too. Jesus had his Friday where he gave up his life, where he obeyed the Father, where he embraced the plan that God had for him. Jesus had his Friday, and you need to have yours too. Some of you have had your Friday. You laid your life down and you embraced the plan of God for your life, and you got saved. Some of you need to get that salvation for real. It's not about walking an aisle and praying a prayer. Listen, if all you can tell me, if I ask you, are you truly born again? And you say, oh, I, I, I got saved on, on February of 2011. Really? Well, what happened? I walked an aisle and I prayed a prayer and God saved me. Well, that's cool. What's happened since then? If the only proof text you have of your salvation is you shook a preacher's hand and you filled out a card and you said a prayer, I'm here to tell you today on the authority of the living God that you are still undone in your sin. The Bible says if you're truly saved, you become a new person. The proof text of Christianity is the change that happens in your life. He did something so radical on the inside of you that it manifested a change on the outside of you. And you can't help yourself anymore. Because you had a Friday. You died to the old you. And you came alive to who God created you to be. Jesus had his Saturday. Jesus had his time between Good Friday and Easter Sunday. And you, you got to have your Saturday too. But here's the thing. That's not the focus. That's not the focus. There's no holiday on Saturday. They don't even have a special name for Saturday. Good Friday, Easter Sunday. Saturday is not meant for you to stay stuck on. And because God is a creator and the devil is an imitator, and because God has a plan and the enemy wants to pervert that plan, I want you to understand this. God wants you to have a Friday, you got to have a Saturday, but he wants you to focus on Friday and live on Sunday. And because the devil is an imitator trying to thwart the plan of God in your life, it's his desire to get you. Yeah, I'm saved, so what? Yeah, I'm going to heaven. I believe in God, but it mm, church, eh, read my Bible every day, mm, giving money to the house of the Lord, eh. Serving God, mm. stuck, stuck, sad. When are you going to wake up, believer? When are you going to wake up and realize that God loves you more than you deserve to be loved? When are you going to start praying like you ought to, reading the Word like you ought to, sharing your faith like you ought to, sowing into ministry like you ought to, serving in ministry? He gave everything for us. I came to church 
God did not allow his son to suffer and bleed and die and be stripped naked and beaten almost to death so that we could have church on Sunday. Saturday stuck. Jesus had his Saturday. We have to have a Saturday, but we don't have to live there. Last thing I'm going to tell you, Jesus had his Sunday. Oh, man, every time I read the gospel story of the crucifixion, when it comes to that part where they mock Jesus, and they said, if you're really who you say you are, prove it. And in my heart, I think, I wish he would have came off that cross and and just smite all of them. I wish he, I wish, I, I, don't, I'm, I don't feel any way worthy that he went through what he went through for me. I don't feel any way worthy about that. And I, 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 when I read that, I'm like, God, I, I just wish you would have let Jesus just burst off that cross and show the whole world how great he is. But that's me. That's not God's plan. Jesus went through his Friday. He went through his Saturday. But when he got to have his Sunday, he got to show people who he really is. When he showed up on Sunday, when he revealed himself to Mary Magdalene, and, 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 and she didn't even recognize him at first, when Jesus in his resurrected body, the Bible says that he showed himself alive after many infallible proofs. He showed himself alive over a dozen times uh, b- between the time that he died on the cross and the time that he went back to God. He kept showing himself alive during that period of time. And the Bible says one time it was over 500 people. And when he got to have that time, uh, now listen, he ain't us. But I sure wish he'd have said, told you. Told you. Told you. He got to rise up with power. And you've heard it said, and I'm not going to try to pump you up by preaching and reminding you that he came the first time uh, born to a poor family with, with no room for him in the end. He came as a humble baby born in a trough the first time, but he's going to come back again one day shining in all power and in all glory. He had his Sunday. and You need to have your Sunday too. You ought to live on Sunday. You shouldn't just let Easter be the only day you think about resurrection. Jesus said, you must be born again. You can't have Sunday living. Biblical resurrection joy without true salvation. And some of you need to get true salvation. I don't care if you walked an aisle 15 times. I saw my son, my, my, my Marine son, I saw him walk the aisle the children's pastor used to come and tell me, uh, Pastor, uh, your boys walked the aisle again today to get saved again. How many times we want to let that happen? I said, just let them keep doing it. One day, it'll be real. See, if you ever get saved, you'll never have to get saved again. The Bible says if you fall away from God, it's impossible to renew you. So throw that bad theology away. But I saw Jacob walked out. I baptized Jake. I baptized Jake in every building we ever had. All the way back to the lake. And Lake Asbury. And, And you know what? It never worked. He'd walk out, pray a prayer, cry. Gave my heart to the Lord. I got so many places written down in my notes. Jake got saved today. I got so many baptism certificates for Jacob Becker. I can start a bonfire. But in September of this year past, he stood up right over there. And he said that he prayed to receive Christ. And I thought in my heart, God, let him be real. Because I know him. And I know all those other times didn't change him. This boy calls me all the time. I woke up this morning to scriptures he had written about resurrection. He told me, Sarah, Sarah, get this. She's a Marine. Any other former Marines in the house? I know over here in the back. Uh, I don't know if they were doing it all the way back. Richard, you you old. You, I don't know if they were doing it back then. But they just went on this long hike this past week uh, in the School of Infantry. 85 pounds on his back, some I don't know, 15K or something like that. I don't know if you remember that. All all the skin on his heel had rubbed off and his heel and his right foot was bleeding. Um, And he told me, he said, Dad, it was hard 
But I just started singing praise songs to God out loud, and I didn't care who heard me. You did what, boy? You country music loving redneck, you did what? You 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 listening to all that bad music behind my back? You was you was doing what? He is so dead. I asked, didn't I ask you? We're riding down the road. I said, I got off phone with Jake. I said, does this sound like the boy that lived in our house for 19 years? What'd you say? No, not at all. But you know what? And I, and I told Seth, I said, I, I said, you know what? I believe he truly got saved before he went into Marines. Why? Not because he prayed a prayer, stood up in church and said it, but because there was a change in his life and maybe you walked aisles before maybe you prayed prayers before maybe you've been baptized before but if you are not totally in love with Jesus if you're not convinced 100% that you know that you know for sure that you are truly born again I'm not talking about having church I'm talking about having resurrection power I'm talking about having something on the inside of you that is so life-changingly different that you couldn't deny him for any reason and you live because he lives and he changed you so much that it is in you for sure if you don't know that you know that you have that kind of salvation you need to get some real salvation it's not about walking an aisle praying a prayer bible says that you will find god when you search for him with your whole heart that's why some people i I walk more than one aisle trying to get saved i got baptized a couple times but believing that i'd gotten saved it when none of that was real to me it didn't change me but when god finally saved me on july 15 1981 he he put his spirit on the inside of me and i've been different ever since and if you're not living that resurrection difference i want to encourage you to get saved romans 10 9 says that if you'll confess with your mouth the lord jesus and believe in your heart that god raised him from the dead you'll be saved the bible says that for it is by believing in your heart that you're made right with god and it's by confessing with your mouth that you're saved the scripture says in romans 10 13 that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you're here today and you have any doubts about your salvation, I want to tell you, you need to settle that today. I've had people tell me through the years, Pastor, the devil's just been plaguing me, just been making me doubt my salvation. Let me tell you again in case you didn't hear it already. The devil will not make you doubt your salvation ever. There will never be a time where the devil would make you doubt your salvation. That is not the devil that would give you doubts about your salvation because the devil doesn't want you to examine your salvation. The devil doesn't want you to seek for the truth. The devil doesn't want you to look beyond. what The devil wants to convince every lost person in this room that you're truly saved. The devil wants, Bliss got saved. How long ago has it been, Bliss? So not, not even a year yet, almost a year. Bliss taught in our children's church. Bliss kept the nursery. Bliss served in this church. What, did, did you think you were saved then? Looking back on it now, what you have now, is what you have now different than what you had then? Definitely different. Just because you come to church as a good person and serve in church don't make you truly born again. And I am urging every person in this room and every person that hears this, in all of we got over 60 countries listening to our broadcast we got more people listening online and show up i'm urging everybody that hears the sound of my voice to know this if you have any doubt about your salvation at all that is the grace of god on your life that is the love of god trying to get through to you to say you're not there yet you don't have it yet would you just call on me and Search for me with your whole heart because he promised when you search for him with your whole heart, you will find him. And I want you to find him today. Not a better day for you to get saved than Easter 2021. Pray with me. God, we love you. and We thank you for loving us. God, I thank you for real salvation. God, I thank you for the process that you brought me through. Times I thought I was giving my life to you, but it was emotion times I thought where I was coming to you, but it it was just religion. 
God, I thank you for giving me real salvation on July 15, 1981. And I pray in Jesus' name today, God, that you would draw people to yourself. You told us no one can come unless you draw them, God. So I pray now by your spirit, you would make yourself known and give people faith to believe. Right now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm not going to have a big invitation where I drag you down to the front. But with no one looking around but me, if you would say, Pastor Scott, I want to get saved for real. If you're here and you know you have doubts about your salvation, if you're here and you're not sure if you have true Holy Ghost Bible salvation, I want to pray for you before you leave. I'm not going to come down and touch you. I'm not going to call you up here to the front. But if you just say you know that you need to get saved, that's the first step. If you'd at least make the first step and say, pray for me, Pastor. I want to be a real Christian like the Bible says I need to be a real Christian. If that's you with no one looking around but me, would you just slip your hand up and say, pray for me, please? If you say, I want to get saved all right all right all right all over the room not as many as should but I see your hand you can put those down God I pray in Jesus name for those who raise their hand that that I would pray for them that they could become a real Christian God I pray right now by the power of your spirit God that you would reach them on the inside with true faith with every head still bowed and every eye still closed if, if you raise your hand or you know you should have I want to tell you you don't have to leave here today unsure about your salvation. You don't have to crawl on broken glass. You don't have to walk on fire. But you do have to ask God to save you. The Bible says you have to call on the name of the Lord. you got to trust God. you got to go through the ABCs. you got to admit that you're a sinner. you got to believe that Jesus died for your sins. And you got to confess him with your mouth that he is your Savior. If you want today to get saved, because you shouldn't put it off. You shouldn't wait. You don't know what tomorrow will hold. But if you're here and you want to get saved, when no one looking around, every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to pray a prayer. This prayer is not magic. This prayer will not save you. But if you mean the words in your heart to ask God to save you, He will hear your heart's cry and He will save you. If you're here and you know you need salvation, I'm going to pray a prayer out loud. I want you to pray it silently after me in your heart. The Bible says God can hear the thoughts in your head. I'm going to pray these words out loud. If you want to get saved today for real, I'm not talking about rededicating your life. I'm not talking about coming back to God. I'm talking about finally, for once and all, becoming a true born-again Christian. If you really want that today and you are serious about it, as I pray this out loud, you pray this silently in your heart. Dear God, I believe in you. And I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe Jesus died on the cross to pay for my sins. And I believe that he was raised from the dead on the third day. Please forgive me my sins. Come into my life. Save me. Make me a real Christian. With no one looking around but me, I want you to honor this moment with your head bowed and your eye closed. If you prayed that prayer with me or you said some, some words like that to God asking him to save you right now, I want you just to, as, as, as a sign of your faith, I want you just to raise your hand right where you sit and say, Pastor, I prayed that. Okay, okay, okay. All right, all right, all right. Anybody else? All right, anybody else? All right. You can put your hands down. I want to tell you one last thing and we're going to get out of here. Everybody look up at me. Jesus said this, and I want to help you with this today. Jesus said, if you will confess me before people, I will confess you before my Father on Judgment Day. You, many of you just raised your hand. Over 15 people just raised their hand that said they prayed that prayer. Jesus didn't call any secret disciples. And if you would be willing to plant your feet solidly in faith in Jesus Christ, he said, confess me in front of people. There's people in this room. I'm not going to ask you to come down. I'm not going to ask you to come take this microphone and say anything to us. But just as way of confession, if you prayed that prayer or a prayer just like it, if you just asked God to save you and you believe he did it, as your way of confessing your belief in Jesus Christ, I just want you to stand to your feet right now and declare, all right, amen, people standing already. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, Many of you raised your hands. Don't be ashamed of him. He said, whosoever believe in me shall not be ashamed. Amen. 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 Listen, stay standing and, and hear me on this. Doesn't matter how many times you've tried to do this before. I want you to know this. 
If you asked God to save you and you truly meant it, He saved you today, you need to live your life every day for the rest of your life searching Him. Read your Bible, say your prayers, make good choices, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He loves you. He died for you. He was raised from the dead. And I got good news for you today. Today, salvation has come to you and 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 you. Come on, put your hands together for God who's still saving people. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church, loving God, loving people.